Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. So friends, um, as we continue on the Theology of Suffering sermon series, we started last week and I know that for some of you, you're still recovering from uh, Leviticus. And you're like, did we have to just jump into theology of suffering? With where we are as a nation, with where we are as a people, we need to have perspective. And I hope that today, what we can give you is heaven's perspective on suffering. What is heaven's perspective on suffering? And I know for a lot of us here, there may be a couple of things that we are facing that is such a challenge to actually deal with and to go through. And uh, the topic today is going to challenge all of us because the topic is, can we see the power of God through faithful suffering? Can we see the power of God through faithful suffering? The power of faithful suffering. Before I invite um, Vanessa to share testimony with us of how she is faithfully going through the suffering that the Lord has put her through. Most of you may know this face, uh, Tim Keller, who was um, every name. Every nation, man, I'm recruiting everyone. He was actually Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York, a church that is very influential, not only in New York, but uh, throughout the world. They started a movement called City to City, which we are part of, how we can uh, transform cities uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has been wrestling with cancer, and sadly, this last Friday, he gave in and he went to be with the Master. What touched me the most was uh, reading a message from his son who said, in the last few days of his life here on earth, my dad said, please let me go. I want to meet my Savior. Let me go. I want to see Jesus. I want to meet my Savior. He was at that place where he knows that how do we suffer faithfully? He wrote a book, in fact, called... um, Uh, walking through pain and suffering. And I'm going to mention some of what he said in that book. This is something that came from that book. Jesus Christ did not suffer so that you would not suffer. He suffered so that when you suffer, you will be more like him. The gospel does not promise you better life circumstances. It promises you a better life. How's that contrast? The gospel doesn't promise us better life circumstances as we hope, wish it should be. But the gospel gives us a better life. How do you define a better life? And the crux of what we'll be talking about today is when we suffer, we become like Jesus. The purpose of suffering is actually to help us to become like suffering. I don't know if you realize that suffering is the only thing they can actually help us to know our place. To know what is God's place and what is our place. Again, suffering is the only thing that, depending on how you process suffering, it can either bring you close to God or it can push you away from God. Now, the person who's going to speak now, Vanessa Perumal, some of you may know her. She started a communications company called JT Communications. And um, we've been trekking with Vanessa. I've known her for many years now. She's worked with some of the big names in South Africa. She'll mention as she comes up. But she was uh, diagnosed with a very rare cancer that actually needed her to save her life by trading her voice box. It's called laryngectomy. She basically had her voice boxes removed. And that operation, that surgery was one of those that if it doesn't go well, she wouldn't be alive today. Dr. Khalil Ismail was the only doctor who was keen to take this case. And Vanessa is here today to share the goodness of God. Let's welcome Vanessa. This is my tool, and I breathe on my neck. I'm a total me. Survivor, good morning, everybody. To have a sexy voice like mine. 
you've got to have a cancer really deep into your larynx. But you know, I've just spoken at this first service and five different people came up and they were sobbing and that wasn't my intention. But I just reflect, I've had six operations in 18 months. Last week, Saturday was three, last week, Sunday was three years of me surviving cancer. And in learning to speak at some point, I uh, spoke like Stephen Hawkins with, um, with an artificial robotic voice. But I just want to give praise to, to God for this church. I had a moment in an epiphany of what black excellence when I wanted to survive sounded like and looked like. And to see these four beautiful women own the stage and sing made me feel so proud. Well done. And to look at the lady that did the offering message, like, so I went into my operation 24 days after COVID was announced my entire income stream had fallen through. I had one of the biggest niche PR agencies in the world, from Maria Makebe to Jonas Gwangwa, from Yuma Sikiele to Sibongile Kumalo. We've worked on some of the biggest festivals and some of the biggest music markets and some of the biggest stages in the world. We just come back from an international holiday and what I had was a couple of houses because we had bought in the northern suburbs. COVID came, shut it down. None of our tenants could pay us. My operation was one that demanded. I go in four days after it was diagnosed. In an operation, no doctor in South Africa had operated on before. It was that rare. But I'd also come from a Christian home and I've been coming to this church for many years. And when Pastor Simon sent me the topic, I had already thought I would be speaking at this church at least three years ago. But I'm only speaking for about 18 months now, as well as I do. What I do know is as, as a servant in the house of the Lord, whose mother had prayed for me my entire life, is that God has called us by name. And he would, and he promised us in his word that he will arrive for the day such as this. When I had my cancer, I had won numerous awards in South Africa and globally. But when I went to Donald Gordon, people in my sector had lost their lives. They lost their money, their houses. And I had become a victim of a system, a health system that showed me the ravages of apartheid. And my, my tormentor became a black woman in a nurse's uniform purely because they didn't know how to deal with me and had not taken the time to deal with my cancer. Our agency has also taken a position on black economic empowerment we believe that as unless the land is given back and as long as there's no economic transformation, we cannot be one that can say we are free South Africa. So you must know how unpopular I am in the throes of white capital. So that was another thing. So I was anchored by black economic empowerment for the 19 years in business. But Jesus came through in many ways. Firstly, he wanted it all. He's a jealous God. He really is. He needed me to come out of the closet for Jesus. And on the morning of my operation, you know, I don't know how we learned not to be scared. But I've given birth to a daughter. Her name is Tainita. And a son, JJ. My husband's not Christian. But my daughter is a church planter 
with Pastor Sochi doing a PhD at Fitznow. But at the age of 23 then, she taught us how to take Holy Communion for four days. She taught us how to pray alone. And she taught us how to hug each other in family. We use social media when we talk of the Gospels of Jesus. We use social media as a tool to connect us as human beings. Every tribe in Jericho, black, white, green, came for us. And they anchored us. Our home was with abundance. And Jesus saw us through. I saw Jesus the night I was going to die on the 13th of May. When he said you were really sick. So that was that minute when I, when I became awake. And he said to me, but you're really sick. Why must I send you back? And I said to him, Lord, you've given me a brain of intelligence. You've given me a brain of wisdom. You also put me part of the way-making team to pioneer. You've got Steve Jobs. My continent needs me. And so, and so, and true, he sent me back. But there are many lessons to learn. Many nations arrived. You know, I'm known as a transforming South African fighting for black excellence. But Keelan and Duncan Irvin, when I was in hospital, went to pray at my house at my gate. The lands arrived for us. We had Uber Eats from all parts of the world arriving. And that's what I want to say to you. Be encouraged that God sees you. Amen. Be encouraged that he hears your voice. Through my cancer, I have been inspired by the teachings of Jesus. A man who's principled who is and is to come, who didn't settle for mediocrity, who do, spoke up against slavery, who didn't want any inequality. And as we sit in this church, my life's purpose, for whatever reason, that I'm still alive, I suppose is to show people the power of miraculous moments. Suffering for Jesus or with Jesus on my side. In hindsight again, it's positioned me in spaces that I never thought I would. I flew to the United States last year to speak as the first African at the Total Adjectomy Conference. And of course, I told them how offended I am that it took 75 years to invite an African my, my agency won the president's inaugural Best SMME of the Ward last year in December. And I got to speak to both President Thabo Mbeki and President Ramaphosa this year. We are on a journey. You know what God also did? He commanded me one day in church. In fact, twice... I uh, told you about these houses that I own. And he said, I want you to write the debt off. I said, I'm not going to. He said, it's, I said, Lord, it's 450000 And I said to the back of the church, not only did I, was I commanded to write the debt off, I was also commanded to put some money back into tithing. And the other day, Pastor Simon was saying, they need a generator. And I thought, God, please don't ask me. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I said to Pastor Simon, you know what? This is what God said. Anyway, I can only afford 5,000. I'll give you the other five. <laughs> so he wants it all. Amen. And so thank you, Pastor Simon. Thank you, church, for your prayers. You. you know, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you. First service, Vanessa says, um, please pray for Pastor Simon. He was brave enough to have me speak on the microphone. <laughs> now you know. So Vanessa was an activist um, before the cancer, and she's still an activist today. 
So the reason I share that with you is because she could have thrown her toys. Where is God when I'm suffering? Where is God when it's painful? Where is God when I'm losing my voice? But she chose to let suffering open doors that even were not open before. I mean, doors that are opening for Vanessa now are just amazing. And I like how she's preaching the gospel at every meeting that she gets to. I've seen some of her work and I love her blog, Miraculous Moments, just shining the light of Jesus. And it was during 2020, while we were praying for Vanessa, we took communion uh, over Zoom, things that we discovered over COVID. I did my first weddings over Zoom. Some of you are here. You got married over Zoom. (laughs) As we talk about the power of faithful suffering, the person that is a good example for us is Apostle Paul. I want to encourage you that if you're going through suffering, make Paul your friend. Read some of his writing, read some of his letters. It will help you to understand what suffering is. You know, when you read here in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, the context of it, if you read from, verse, uh, from chapter 11, is there were these certain super apostles who were going around and boasting about who they are, even the wealth that they had amassed at the expense of God's people. Sad to say, it's still happening today because there's nothing new under the sun. But Apostle Paul shows us something different In this text, he's uh, helping us to understand that we shouldn't be like those who do not understand the main purpose why God put us here on earth. So it starts by saying, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third haven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. That's the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which men may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. Boasting is being a fool. For I would be speaking of the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. Verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited, repeated they. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weaknesses. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. This is the word of the Lord. Friends, from the scripture that we've read, I like to ask myself questions as to what was going through the mind of the author and what was the authorial intent, what was his intention when he wrote this letter to the Corinthians, a church that was going through suffering at the time, a church that was ostracized, a church that was going through challenges because of the super apostles who were mistreating God's people. And Paul starts by saying, I'm not like them. He even says that I know of a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. You know, Paul is saying, you know, I'm not going to tell you that this is me, but you can read between the lines. You can read between the lines, right? He says, I'm not going to boast. I can boast about revelations. I can boast about great things that I've seen God do. But I know of a man who... 14 years ago, was caught up in the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. 
I like his honesty as well. He says, guys, I can't actually tell you whether I was taken physically in the body or it was just a vision, but I know that I experienced something amazing. I like verse 4 because verse 4 helps us to understand something that I've been wrestling with for many years. He heard things that cannot be told, which men may not utter. So Paul is saying that, guys, I have been to the third heaven. I've been to paradise. I've heard of things that cannot be told, which men may not utter. Paul is saying, guys, you, you guys, you only know the, the first heaven, that is the sky and the atmosphere. Are we together? The second heaven is the starry host, is where the stars, is where the planets are, is where the sun and the moon are. That's the second heaven. Are we together? But then there is a third heaven, a third level that is unseen. You only get there when you have some access code that Paul got. We didn't get it, Greg. I'm still waiting for my access code to make it to the third heaven. It is so interesting that Paul says, having been to the third level, having been to the third, uh, third heaven, having been to paradise, there were certain things that I heard that I cannot say. There are certain things I have saw I cannot utter. Paul is simply saying, guys, what you are seeing now is just this much. There's so much more to come. And this verse, why I say it helped me is... Um, my wife knows very well that I've got a list and this list is growing of things I want to ask God when we get to heaven. I really have a list. I mean, from time to time, I will say, baby, you know when I get to heaven, the first thing I'm going to ask is, was slavery necessary? Was apartheid necessary? Was all these things, this list is growing. Every time we are going through something, I'll be like, I want to ask God, but why? Mara, why? Mara, why? Why this? Why the suffering? Why all this? And you know, my wife has got this amazing answer, and I'm confessing uh, this morning because I never really took her answer until I got to verse 4. My wife has told me several times that when you get to heaven, you will be in so much awe of God that you're going to go like, ah, 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 ah. We're going to be in so much awe of the glory of God that all that list that I've been keeping will be like, oh, it makes sense now. It makes sense. I see what God was up to all the time. You don't get it now, but later you'll get it. <laughs> Paul is saying, when I got to that third level, when I got to that layer, there were certain things that were revealed to me, but God says, don't tell them. You know, some of the biblical scholars will speculate and some will say, you know, when Paul was writing, you can actually tell that he was giving us bits and pieces, just a hint of what is yet to come. And when you read a lot about Paul and you study Paul's writing, you can see that this man has experienced certain things that some of us have not experienced yet. The Bible says, on behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my behalf, I will not boast except for my weaknesses. Paul had reached another level that many of us still hope to attain. And when we talk about these mysteries that are in the Word that we don't understand, this list of things that we are struggling with, we are wrestling to understand, it is better placed here in Deuteronomy 29.29. And I know some people have struggled with this verse for many years. The secret things belongs to the Lord. Third level, Right? The secret things belongs to the Lord, our God. But the things that are revealed, first level, second level, belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. If we connect this scripture with what Paul is saying is, there's certain things that once you get the access code, you will understand. And that is why sometimes we struggle with suffering, but we don't get the full perspective of heaven what I call heaven's perspective is when we get to that place, when we understand that God is up to something with suffering. We may not understand it now, but God is up to something. God is doing something. Even though we don't get it, we know that that level revelation is coming. Paul says, just look at his words. It's like this man has tasted something we haven't tasted. 
So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn, now you can see that it's transitioned. Before you were saying, I know of a man, but now it says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, the revelations that I have received, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me. I'll just be honest with you, I don't like those words. A messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Why is that repeated? To keep me from becoming conceited. We know that being conceited is thinking more highly of yourself. It's a pride. It's thinking that I've arrived. Paul says to keep me from becoming conceited, to keep me in my place. A thorn was given me. I like the fact that he says a thorn was given. It wasn't thrown at him. It wasn't inflicted to him. It was given as a gift. How many of you can agree with me that pain is a gift? Sorry, I'm messing with your theology right now. Paul is saying a thorn was given me. A thorn is a gift from God. It was given to me to keep me from being conceited to keep me in my place. I should have warned you, this is not an exciting message today. To keep me from being prideful. God, you suffering to keep me in my place. And then it says, to keep me from becoming conceited, if you can help me there at the back, a thorn was given me, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. If you can either move the slides at the back, I have them here with me. He says, we need to understand that the place of suffering is a place where we understand that God's grace is sufficient for us. He says that three times I pleaded with the Lord, but that prayer was not answered. Let me just help us to understand the thorn in the flesh. Let's go back to the thorn in the flesh slide where Bible scholars are helping us to understand the inner psychological struggles of the persecution of the church. So Paul is saying, it could have been this or that. Some of us are speculating. And Paul's opponents, maybe, who continue to persecute him, Numbers 33, 55, we understand in the Old Testament where thorns were, if you don't drive out the inhabitants of Canaan, they will be like thorns to you and they shall trouble you. Now, this connects to the Leviticus that we just did, that when the children of Israel were about to go into Canaan, the promised land, the Lord says, you need to get rid of all these people, or they will become thorns, or you will become like them. And then there was another promise, Israel's thorns will be no more. They will be taken away. So when Bible scholars are studying this, they're saying, it could be that when Paul says, there was a thorn in my flesh, it could have been persecution. It could have been these people, the super apostles, they were opposing Paul. Number three, some kind of physical affliction, of poor eyesight, malaria, fever, or severe migraine headaches. Some kind of demonic harassment, a messenger of Satan. So, we're not sure exactly what it was because Paul is not telling us. But one thing we know from historical readings is these three things. It was physical, it was mental, and it was spiritual. It was physical in a sense that he felt something in his body. It was mental in a sense that it was tormenting him and it was spiritual because of demonic oppression. Now, let me explain something to you. Uh, demons can never live in the heart of a believer. Are we together? The Holy Spirit can never cohabit with demons. But what tends to happen is we open the door for demonic oppression. There's certain things that we allow in our lives that we do, that we watch without realizing we're opening the door for demonic oppression. And before you know it, now you have to go see Pastor Greg and Pastor Gloria for counseling. But you open the door. We need to be careful that we don't open the door. But Paul is wrestling with this thing. He's saying, three times I pleaded with the Lord. Three times I prayed and said, God, help me. If you go to the next slide. And it's so interesting that his prayer was not answered. 
It says, God responded, my grace is sufficient for you. It's not the kind of answer that Paul expected. Let's just bring it close to home. Sometimes we pray and the prayers are not answered the way we expect them to be answered. We've got a particular way where we expect the prayers to be answered. We want God to answer prayer the way we want Him to answer it. But God says, my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. He's simply saying that when I embrace the suffering, when I embrace my weaknesses, the power, the glory of God is revealed through me. How's that? Instead of throwing our toys and saying, God, why do you allow this to happen? You're saying, God, may you be glorified through the suffering. May your power be shown through my suffering. You know, it was uh, 2021 when a number of us here in the church were praying for Ayanda Mbuyisa. I'm sure most of you will remember her. Some of you are new in the church, you may not know. At the time, Ayanda was a mother of four children, still very little children. And she was pregnant with a fifth child. And because of the comorbidities that she was carrying, she um, contracted um, COVID and she really wrestled through COVID for days. She was in hospital and we were praying and praying and praying and praying. And it was as if she will come back, she will be alive. She was able to give birth, but unfortunately she passed away. It was a very sad story and it is during moments like those that through praying and praying, you ask God, but why didn't you bring her back to life? Why didn't you make her to still live? And we came across this quote by Tim Keller that helped us at the time to wrestle with this. The basic purpose of prayer is not to bend God's will to mine, but to mold my will into His. The basic purpose of prayer is not to try and strong arm God. It's as we pray, we allow God to change our perspective, to give us a perspective of heaven with the suffering that we're going through. So when we go through suffering, it's not time to throw our toys or to blame God, but it's time to say, God, mold my will to yours. Align my will to yours. That is the basic purpose of prayer. Three questions I want to answer for us this morning to understand, which is one of the challenges that we face really, is if God is a loving God, why would He allow anyone to suffer? That's what we're trying to answer this morning. And to answer this question, it's important to have a right understanding of who God is and who we are. We need to know God's place and our place. So God's place is written here. The Bible tells us that God is a gracious God. He's merciful, almighty, slow to anger, sovereign, loving, powerful, and more. God is a good God. Don't we sing that God is a good, good father? But I know that we wrestle with this understanding that if God is a good God, where does suffering, where does evil come from? If I can take you to your Bibles in Job chapter 1, we're going to hear more about Job next week. I want to show you something that is very, very important, that as believers, we must never, never think that evil comes from God. When you read in Job chapter 1 verse 6, the Bible says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before God, and Satan also came among them. Satan basically gate-crashed the party. He was not... Invited, but he came. And this very verse also shows us the kind of God we serve. Why would he even allow Satan to be in his presence? You would think that because Satan, Lucifer, was a fallen angel, he shouldn't even make an appearance before God, but God allows him. Then the Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there's no one like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, almost like Paul, 
Then Satan answered to the Lord, does Job fear you for no reason? Have you not put a hedge, that word is important, a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? Have you, not, have you blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land? Verse 11, very critical. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. Verse 12, and the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of God. Now I want to give you a very important piece of theology. God did not torment Job. Did you hear what we just read? Job, uh, Satan said, remove the hedge, stretch out your hand. And God said, fine, I'll do that. All that he has is in your hand, but you cannot touch Job. Isn't it interesting that God says, okay, I'll remove the hedge. I will take off my hand. Then you can have a field trip. So God never brings evil. He does this. A lot of people wrestling with COVID. Where did COVID come from? It is when we sin and God does this. Look what happens in the world. And it helps us to understand our place. We, we are sinners saved by grace. The Bible tells us that suffering is as a result of the fall in Genesis 3. The Bible teaches that the wages of sin is death and no one is good because we have all sinned. So suffering happens because of our sin. Suffering happens because we have opened the doors. But the sad part of suffering, it is when it is because of other people's decisions and choices that we suffer. And I must say that sad that some people are going through suffering because of other people's choices. Suffering has a way of putting us in our place. How should we respond to suffering? Suffering creates a dependency on the Lord. Have you noticed that? When you go through suffering, that's when you pray more. When you go through suffering, that's when you fast more. Let me let you in on a little secret. Just keep fasting and praying anyway. Suffering is here to stay. Sorry, it's not good news. Suffering keeps your eyes on eternity. That's heaven's perspective. That I want to come back to. Paul again writes in 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. We're not discouraged. Though outwardly we are wasting away, we are feeling the pain. Yet inwardly we have been renewed day by day. We have been renewed for the third level. For our light and momentary troubles, I want to pause there. Paul, with all that you have gone through, shipwreck, beatings, and poverty, all the things that you've gone through, and you call it light. I think the only reason Paul could use those words is because of his experience of the third level. He's saying for our light, and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, heaven's perspective, that far outweighs them all. Paul is saying there is a glory that's coming. There is a glory that's coming that far outweighs what we're going through now. Paul continues to say, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is, what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. Romans 8, 18, the author says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed at the third level. Now I want to put it in the way that C.S. Lewis put it that has really helped me understand this third level revelation. So C.S. Lewis says, the eventual glory that we're going to experience is going to be so great that it's going to work backwards. You got to ponder about that a little bit. He says that the eternal glory that we're going to experience is going to be so great that it's going to work backwards. What it means is that when we see the glory, when we get to heaven, it's going to be so powerful that it's going to engulf all the evil, all the suffering, all that we've gone through, that we'll worship God and say, now it makes sense. 
It makes sense. It's going to work backwards. The glory of God will bring restoration to everything that the enemy has stolen from us. That glory of seeing Him, even the cherubims have to have so many eyes because two eyes are not enough to look at the glory. Even when they're looking at with all their thousand eyes on their wings, they still hide their eyes because the glory is just too much. So when Paul was saying, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, he's now talking third level revelation. He's giving us a perspective of suffering that I pray that we get it today, that the glory that's going to be revealed is going to work backwards. But let's mess with your theology a little bit more. How many of you recognize that bag? <laughs> I know that some of you now want to register for Victory Weekend when you see that bag. So that bag, for those who may not know, was a normal school bag for my time when I went to school, where you put everything, your lunchbox, your books, everything goes in there. And the reason why some of us need Victory Weekend is because sometimes it will not close. <laughs> and you will use masking tape, all kinds of things. You will hold it like this. It will not close. Talking about suffering, some of us understand suffering. But Paul had a different revelation about suffering. He says our weaknesses, our sufferings are an opportunity for God's power to be displayed. We do not have to be strong in our own strength to experience God's grace. Don't try and carry it by yourself. That's why we need community. Now Vanessa spoke about community and the power of community. We need each other. Let me give you another way that Paul is helping us understand the power of suffering. Fat level revelation. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. I was wondering, Paul, what kind of prayer is this? Dude, are you hearing yourself? You want to participate in Christ's sufferings. You want to go through what Christ went through. Fat level revelation. He's saying, I want to participate in fellowship in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul, are you hearing yourself? You want to be like Christ, the way he was crucified. And by the way, Paul was crucified. Whew. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Why should we embrace suffering as a gift? Paul is saying, I know that when I suffer, when I experience suffering, it's preparing for me a glory that's going to help me to attain to the resurrection of the dead. It is when I go through suffering, I'm connected with Jesus intimately so that I can be able to make it to that glory that is in the third level. The place of suffering is a place where we understand that the glory of God is coming and it's working backwards to restore everything that the enemy has stolen. So on uh, Friday, I was meeting with this young man and um, he was just basically telling me what's happened in his life in the last couple of years. I know him from when he was in kids' church, youth ministry, and uh, went to campus studying at Verts. And there was a season where he was no longer coming to church. I wasn't seeing him and connected with him through Facebook, seeing what was happening in his life, and he told me that they moved because they were evicted from the house where they used to live. Just as he was telling me the story, he continues to say that, Pastor Simon, we were evicted twice. And the second time we were evicted, we actually did not know where to go, being raised by a single mom, two boys. And I was listening to him, listening to the story, and he says that, the picture that is in my mind, and I want to show you uh, the suitcase that uh, is very precious to me. I'll tell you a little bit more about the suitcase. This young man says that we were standing outside the place where we were living. All we had was our suitcases. Didn't have anywhere to go. My mom called a few people, and 
one of the friends took them in. And uh, they lived with mom's friends for a while. And at the time, he had to sleep on the floor. And that year, he failed to write his exams, and he failed that year. And then he continues with the story, and he says, we were able to find a place. I was able to finish my studies. I'm graduated now, and I'm working. And then he also says, I'm grateful to God for the community of believers that looked after us during those moments. When you're suffering, it's not time to be in isolation. When you're suffering, find other believers. He told me how during that time he would walk from Bramfontein to the evening service here and there will just be love and people encouraged him to keep going. He will receive prophetic words and he says he's leaving those prophetic words today. When you're suffering, it's not time to isolate yourself. And I also want to tell you about uh, why I brought this suitcase. This story of this young man reminded me of part of the sufferings I've gone through. Now, this suitcase is 30 years old. You may not realize that. For young people in those days, suitcase they didn't have wheels. You didn't have to drag it. You had to carry it, proper carrying it. This suitcase is a suitcase... I used when I went to study at Wits University. There were two of them. That Sunday morning, I'll never forget. The person who was supposed to drive me from Potchefstroom to Joburg to university did not show up. It's like those uncles who make promises and they don't <laughs> keep their promises, right? And for those who may not track with the story, there were no cell phones then. We just could not find him. He went AWOL. I remember my mom saying, son, let's go. We'll use Texas to get to Johannesburg. We, even though mom didn't know much about Johannesburg, we got Texas from Ikaheng to Pochestrum Town, from Pochestrum to Park Station. From Park Station, we kept asking people how to get to Vets University. It was like a long walk to freedom. Literally, and it was 1994. The timing was just impeccable. Walking through the bridges, getting to Vets University. My mom dropped me there and going back. And I felt like, man, I've arrived. Freedom, I've arrived, I've made it. Suffering is over. Little did I know it was just the beginning. It was just the beginning. Studying engineering at Vets was another level. I've been to Victory Weekend three times to deal with some of the pain. <laughs> some people say, what was the issue? What happened? I was excluded twice at Vets. The first time I was excluded, I was uh, in the SRC, and one of the professors says, SRC and engineering, they don't go together. <laughs> the second time, I was dealing with uh, thermodynamics and Professor Williams. Some of my classmates are here today. Morrison knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> Thermodynamics and Professor Williams. By God's grace, I still graduated and I got my degree. Despite the challenges of being adverse, and there were times where I was suicidal because it was that hectic. What I didn't realize is my suffering was a platform for future generations not to go through the same sufferings that I've gone through. My suffering was creating a platform for future generations. My suffering was also connecting me to the suffering of Christ for the glory that's coming. So yesterday, God gave me a small glimpse, a small glimpse of what He's doing when we go through suffering. So I was taking my son to one of the tertiary institutions around here to, to, for an open day. And while we're driving there, I'm now thinking about the suitcase. I'm like, he's in the car. I was not in the car. I'm like, dude... You, you have no idea where I come from. I said, my, my, my ceiling is your stepping stone for where you can get to. And I want to tell you, when you're going through suffering, you may not see. So as we were getting to the school and I was a bit teary, I said, son, don't worry, something is in my eye. Let's stand to pray. When we go through suffering, we don't always see what God is up to. We don't always see what He's preparing us. 
We may just be a setting stone, a ceiling for future generation, for the next generation. I want to read you a scripture as we close. Pray for us over the scripture. That third level revelation is right here. Revelation 21 verse 4. When we get there, He shall wipe away every tear. Thank you, Jesus. Bible says that he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more neither shall be mourning nor crying nor pain for the first things are passed away and behold the news here in 1 Peter 5 the Bible says keep cool head keep a cool head stay alert the devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard. Rejoice in your suffering. You are not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It is the same with the Christians all over the world. So to keep a firm grip on your faith, it won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ the eternal and glorious plans that are on the third level. will have you put together and your feet for good for He gets the last word. God gets the last word. He gets the final word. Father, I pray for people that are here this morning, whatever suffering that we may be going through, you get the final word, Father. You get the final word. Lord, I pray that suffering will not push us away from you, but suffering will bring us closer so we can pray like Paul and say, we want a fellowship in your suffering. We want to have fellowship, participation in your suffering. And so somehow attain to the resurrection of the dead. And so somehow attain to the third level. Get to that place where we understand that the glory of God works backwards. It's going to engulf all the pain and the evil and the suffering. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.